Yo, it's Ronnie Rose, Hassani, and Seb, and this is Barroom Talks. Let's get it. Welcome, newcomers. This is Barroom Talks, where the boys get together to discuss sports, music, food, or any other topic that comes to mind while we're shooting the shit. If you haven't already, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Barroom Talks. And if you like this episode, give us a five-star review at the bottom. Let all your friends know. I'm pretty sure they'd love to come over and give us a like as well. Uh, but enough chat. Let's get into the good stuff. All right. Yo, what's up, everyone? This is Ronnie Rose. Thanks for tuning in to Barroom Talks. This week, uh, we want to talk about Duke basketball. Uh, Zion Williamson, that dude is just incredible. R.J. Barrison, they're just, like, killing the competition right now. They look incredible. I think that they aren't going to lose a game, honestly. Um, what's your guys' take on Duke basketball right now, Sonny? I just think, honestly, man, I was I knew the hype was serious when I saw um, Zion Williamson coming out of high school. I mean, you see all these highlight tapes where people are dunking the ball, the look-away passes, and, you know, they just they, they kind of surprise you then, but seeing someone on a Division One basketball level just dominating, like he looks like a man against boys, like – it's crazy. I mean, the kid is what, like 100%. 19 years old? I think he's 19, maybe 20. And he's, yeah, he's he looks like he's been playing basketball for like 30 years. Like he he's the truth. 6'7", 280. It's crazy. 6'7", 280 pounds. I think there was a stat that said like the first yeah, game against um, Kentucky, they were saying he would be the second heaviest player in the NBA if he went in next year. So that means like someone who's 7'5 doesn't yeah. even weigh what he weighs. Like, it's just insane. He's just a dense player. And I think even, like, I forget what school it was. It might have been Oregon or someone like that was offering him, like, a scholarship to play football when he was in high school because they said he would be the greatest tight end ever, which I know that's that's a stretch because it's a whole different yeah. sport. But it's like to see someone that physical, that size, be able to jump up and have a 45-inch vertical. I mean, like, some of these dunks are just like – I haven't even seen LeBron's highlights like this. Like – this dude is his head is over the rim, like well over the rim, catching these passes and jamming the ball. So I mean, like they they may be unstoppable this year. I mean, we'll see. What do you think, Seb? Yeah, I definitely feel that he's a just he's an animal. Like he's just a freak of nature uh, on the court. And yeah, Duke pretty much has a defensive end playing on their basketball team because that's what this guy is. He's just a beast man like um i th- i i didn't believe the hype at first um like before the season started i did see his highlight tapes but you always see like the players that have their hoops mixtapes from uh from high school and stuff and then i didn't really think zion would dominate the way he has and that kentucky game was the one that just made me realize like this team I mean, they just look unstoppable. There's going to be a 30-for-30 on this Duke basketball team one day. I wouldn't doubt that at all, man. Like, they – they're a fresh – I mean, how many is it? Four freshmen in the starting lineup, I think, right now? Yeah. It's three or four. I mean, they're they're in a – and they have have the best college coach. They do. Ever. Arguably, definitely the best college coach. And it's just – I don't know. It's just like I know recruiting is such a big so, process of that, but I mean these guys are literally like just dominant. Like Barrett looks incredible. So let me so, so let me ask you guys this. So 
you know how people like to get mm-hmm. ahead of themselves. Um, and we've only we've only seen um, what I would say is a little bit of film on Zion Williamson. Yeah, he's great. He's amazing. But people are <laughs> starting to somewhat compare him to LeBron James and saying he's going to have the impact of LeBron James. I mean, what do you guys think? I don't think we've seen it. Uh, I think that we have. Personally, I do. And the reason why I say that is because he was still doing this in high school. And as I said earlier when I was just talking about him, it's like it's different when you're seeing him compete on a Division One scale. Granted, I it's like LeBron came into the NBA from high school. Zion's in college. So it's like LeBron was dominating people in high school just like Zion was. But it's like now Zion's playing – for the top now it is a top team in the NCAA currently and they're just dominating teams like let's let's talk real quick about his stats because I think people don't realize how dominant he is okay so let's see for they played the first game I think he had like 28 points let me just verify yeah so look at this they played Kentucky they won 118 to 84 all right like that's just insane because you're playing Kentucky, who was, I think, number two in the country. Um, and three of the freshmen had combined for like 80, I think 89 points of that 118. And Zion, I think, was the second leading scorer behind Barrett in that game. So it's like, it's not like, I mean, granted, people can argue they played Army. Okay, Army's not ranked in Eastern Michigan. They're really not ranked. But it's like, that was a almost... 20 or 20 point victory against army and then an almost 40 point some victory against eastern michigan so it's like obviously you got to see how the rest of it eastern michigan i felt bad <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> i felt bad for it's them, insane man. i mean it was just like grown men out there professional basketball team playing against little boys it was ridiculous. yeah i mean like i'm looking at their schedule right now and they don't play another ranked team until clemson which is 19th and that's that's not until january so it's like granted their schedule looks a little easy right now um, but I just don't see them letting up at all this year. Like I just, I feel like the the hardest competition they're going to have will be in the tournament. But right now, it's like Virginia is their hardest competition, and they're ranked fourth. So it's like, I just, man, I I really do think that we've seen enough to say that he could potentially have the same impact as LeBron because he's a he's a bigger physical specimen. He's very humble as a person. And you know people like Nike and Under Armour, they're going to be fighting over deals for this guy. Like, as soon as he's out of college, like, you know, LeBron, you know, however many years ago that was now, like 14, 15 years ago, signed a deal for $100 million when he was in high school. So it's like, you know he's going to make that same kind of money. Like, he's just, he's going to have such an yeah, impact st- on the NBA. I still think it's I still think it's hard to see that at this point because you could even say LeBron James superseded what he was expecting. No, to I do agree with because that. people had a lot of hype. For I can LeBron definitely agree with when that. he came That's out, true. but LeBron has easily shattered all those uh, expectations. What do you think, Seb? Uh, I I agree with Ron. I think it's kind of hard to tell what he'll do in the NBA right now, simply because we've seen it time and time and again where these guys are like super dominant in college basketball and then they get to the the league and it's like you don't see as much production from them um but as of right now I don't see anyone stopping duke um I'm hoping they don't get upset in the tournament because 
They, I mean, they probably will just because that's how it always works. You think it's just going to take away from how good those guys are if they lose in the tournament? Because it's like the, the one and nah, done mentality. It's no, like, I, I still think Zion Williamson is going to be like a top three draft pick. He's he's just some he's a beast, dude. Like there's no way that guy is not going early in the in the draft. But as far as making an he's impact like LeBron has made, um I'd have to like evaluate that after his first season in the league cuz I mean LeBron has done yeah. a lot. Um and LeBron also didn't play at the college That's level, time. so it's it's you know, when guys come in so if Zion was in the league right now, I'm sure he'd be able to keep up. I just don't know if he would, you know, be able to do what LeBron did his first couple years in the league. Well, back to what you were saying, Asani, a lot of people are saying that Zion Williamson, his his size and stature and strength is just kind of overpowering. He is that big body type of Charles ba- Charles Barkley type of uh, player. Um, so that's going to be a problem. You know, he's I think he's going to go first overall when he goes into the draft. I don't know if he's going to go this year he probably will well but, where do you um, think i mean a, i know uh, in the nba it's such an early it's really early in the season to say who's going to end up you know and again it's with the whole lot the draft lot the wizards thing, but, please yeah i was going to say who do you think please, the up, wizards. Dude, that would be I'm incredible praying. that would be just incredible. tank the season and get zion we're straight I was gonna say just because yeah yeah i mean oh my god that'd be amazing that's why i don't like the way the the uh, nba draft lot yeah. set up because it's it's it random, random, you know, so anyone can exactly. get exactly could get them. So I don't like how that's set up, but I don't know. I, I mean, it'd be cool to see him maybe in Brooklyn, something like that. I'm not I'm not necessarily sure. I think it's I would say early. Wizards would be huge, or even like some place like Cleveland, because they are struggling once LeBron yeah. left. So that would give you some real insight as to if they kept the rest of their team somehow and still were able to compete in the East. Having I, like I may him, be but. completely wrong when I say this, but like I think the last two players that had, I mean they're both great players in the league now, but that had like crazy amount of hype in NCAA um, was John Wall and Kemba Walker. I think were the two that had like this type of hype around them. Um, and uh, like I said, they're great players. And I think Zion would be better than them for sure. Just like like Ron was saying, just his stature is just insane. And Stephen A. Smith on a, on the on his talk show was just talking about how there's NBA players that don't wanna find Zion in the you know, in the lane. So like they don't wanna guard him because he's just that overpowering over other players. Like if if you're guarding that guy, you're guaranteed to end up on a poster board somewhere in the Duke facility. Like that's <laughs> just gonna happen. How do you and guard have someone to take that, that can jump? How do you guard someone that's a forty five inch vert, like who weighs two hundred and eighty some pounds? Like you're not gonna post up on him. And that's the thing, no one's taking charges with someone that big. You're getting out of his way. That's the difference. You're not taking the charge on someone who could literally break you. Exactly. You're just gonna let them. Your move. There's just some people. There's just some people you don't. There's just some people you don't go up against. Like Todd Gurley, when he's at full speed, you don't. You can't hit him. You're gonna get <laughs> no. a concussion. You're gonna be laid out. He's just too big, too fast, it, and it's just like you see. It, it's like a train running down the field. No, it's man, you just let him go. It's so, not. He's he's gonna have a good. He's gonna have a good career though. I think really he will is. for sure, man, for sure. 
I'm excited to see it. Um, so let's uh, change the topic a little bit here. Um, so this is, uh, I guess, a little bit more serious, but um, Jim Acosta, Trump, um, you all probably seen it, but um, Trump had a big press conference and um, Jim Acosta was up there asking a question. Um, uh, I don't know if it was the national nationalism nationalism. I can't even talk. I don't know which. Co- no, I can tell was, you what it is. But yeah, it I can tell you exactly what question is. So yeah. it, it, it was really it's kind of crazy. So okay. it was talking about this caravan of immigrants that are approaching the country and Trump decided to make it a public thing. Uh, I think it was a commercial that he had put out. Uh, it was a campaign commercial saying that there was we were in, as a country in danger because we had a um he didn't directly say violent or angry, but there was a caravan that was approaching that was a threat to the nation. And basically, Jim Acosta just decided to ask him, you know, so why is it that you're making it seem like they're this imminent threat to the country when they are hundreds of miles away from us, walking on foot with no weapons or anything? But he made it seem as if, like, you know, it's gang members and and whatever coming to our country trying to come in and cause problems so it was a very valid question i don't think at any point that he was saying something um out of line or disrespectful but i think that you know trump as a president decides you know he wants to do things the way he wants to do and even during that whole time where he was answering questions um to the media it was very like dictator like it was not a respectful thing to the media at all. He was telling people to sit down. I didn't call you. I'm not talking mm-hmm. to you. Um, you're rude. You know, CNN should be ashamed to have you as on their news staff. It's just like he was very um, angry, you could tell, in his tone. But at the same time, he was just, you know, mocking people when they would ask him the questions that he just did not want to answer. And, you know, when you sign up to be the president or any role um, in power – the media is going to like, especially in the United States, like they have freedom of speech. The press is there to give people information. And if you're not able to handle that in a respectful way, it's like, whose fault is that? You're the freaking president. Like you signed up for this. You knew that this was a part of your job. Why is it that it's so challenging for you to answer a question? But I think it's just, he doesn't like being put on the spot. And I mean, tough shit like that's that's the job of a reporter to ask you the tough questions to get you to answer them when you're not willing to do so by giving the truth yourself but that's basically the it was a question of why are you basically trying to make it seem like this is a threat to scare people of the United States when in reality there was no threat yeah and you know he revoked um Jim Acosta's privileges press privileges apparently but he got him back uh, just because the judge ruled in his favor um so you know trump is he is seeming like a dictator you know and a lot of people have been unhappy with the way things have been going in this country politically for for a while now um but like i always said i mean i think this was bound to happen just because the way the country has gone for such a long time and i think it has to really get worse before it gets better so this is kind of almost like a necessary evil for us to um, kind of rise above. But um, I'm curious to hear what Sebastian thinks about the topic. Yeah, there's. I mean, where do I start with this? Um, so <laughs> I will. I will say that. Um, yeah, you were saying that the country has been pretty unhappy with how politics have been going lately. Or not, yeah, I guess, 
I mean, it's been going on for a while now, but, um, well, we'll just say since Trump got elected, there's, there's so much to it. Like, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm flustered thinking about it, but so Jim Acosta and Trump have like known beef with each other. Like there's always some type of little like snarky remarks coming from Trump to Acosta. Um, And that press conference really just was like, it it was bullshit. There's no other way to say it. Like it was just complete bullshit as a president you need to have some type of rhetoric and you need to understand that part of your job is answering questions that you probably don't want to answer because they're uncomfortable questions, but those are the questions people need to fucking ask and excuse my language, but this stuff, like it's just, there's questions that need to be asked so that these topics can be talked about. Um, and personally, and I get it. I get like, for, you know, if we have Trump supporters listening to this, like, I get it. Like, there's nothing that he could do um, that, like, people won't criticize. But at the same time, it's like, and, and Hassani, you and me have spoken about this. I don't really choose Democrat or Republican or independent. I just look at, you know, are you a good person? Are you going to do good things for this country? What is your campaign about? What are your focuses, which a lot of people don't do. And that's the problem. It's like, I have to pick a side. And I think that, um, for me personally, like to side with the Democrats, um, is just out of how idiotic this, this whole presidency is in my opinion. Um, so with this, yeah, I, I don't know if it's dictatorship. It definitely seemed like it from that specific one. Um, and more than Jim Acosta, what bothered me the most was the lady asking, you know, you focus a lot on your nationalism. Would you say that it's, you know, it's geared towards white nationalism? And just, you know, coming from an African-American woman, asking a valid question like you were endorsed by a lot of people that are white nationalists or um, have ties to the Ku Klux Klan. So what's all that about? Which is a valid question. But when you have... Would you mind, Seb? Like, I'm sorry, but before you get too detailed in that, could you, like, clarify what your definition is of nationalism versus white nationalism? Because I feel like that's where the issue lies on that problem. So there's, there's nationalism... All right, so in my so the way I look at it, there's patriotism and then there's nationalism. And I think that patriotism is is fantastic. Like you take pride in your country, you take pride in in what you, you're a patriot. But I think mm-hmm. nationalism is where it gets dangerous is where you have this obsessive like we have to like you're so nationalism in my opinion is super dangerous. It's just like you have a constant belief that you're above everyone like there's no one else on top of you 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 take pride in all this i just don't yeah no that's that's my it's like you, you have an obsessive like drive with your country you have um 
It's it's like more extreme. It's like patriot. It's like patriotism, Patriot- but yeah. it's it's too extreme. It's like more so like you like patriotism is just like a free flowing like you love your country you you love that you have these abilities and you and you yeah. want that for everyone versus nationalism is like you don't want any it's it's almost like an old school mentality of like I don't want anything to change I love my country as it is and I love how it's been and I love our country's history which is nothing wrong with loving where your country came from, but then it's like not being open-minded to the true history of the country and, and the good and yeah, the bad. Yeah. It's like you, you yeah, love so all like, of it. Yeah, exactly. And I think when um, people talk about, you know, white nationalism, it's, it's pretty much taking pride in having a white America. Um, Correct. Exactly. Which is it like, for your information is never, going to happen because we're a nation of immigrants that that's what we are um we're a nation of diverse people and all this crap just needs to like really just stop all this all this stuff that's going on um it, it really just needs to stop but yeah the whole casa thing just the one so that question about the white nationalism was responded with that's a racist question why would you even ask me that you're racist so it's it's like a, you know it's just like another <laughs> another troll that people yeah, can get a kick out. out. Yeah. yeah. So when these issues are talked about, that's insane, man. You know, it's going to be like, well, you're racist for asking me a question that needs to be talked about. Um, rather than on both sides, the question. Yeah, whether all whether he, you're all you had to do, white, black, like Latino. Yeah. All you had to do is say, there, I, I'm a I nationalist. Like, a, like my, I, you know, I love my country, but <laughs> I, I, but just because I'm white does not mean that I support, but it's like, he knows in his mind that that is a strong voter base for him. And if he were to publicly say, yeah. I'm not a white nationalist, because these, <laughs> a lot of the white nationalists are, are so dumb that they believe that he legitimately is. And I, I truly to my core, don't think that he is a white nationalist. I think he's just an opportunist on everything that goes his way. And if you were to publicly yeah, I completely say, agree with that. I don't, I don't you know think if you were to publicly say uh, that he's about all the bullshit that he throws out there, but no, I think he's definitely aware of how much it helps him and exactly. how much like, that's you know, the, he just the, plays with it. how much just the actions of that press conference, people look at that and they're like, hell yeah, he's a straight talker. Yeah. And it's like, how is that a straight talker? Someone asks you a question and you don't answer it. That's being a straight talker. A straight talker no, would like, be like, "Okay, I'm gonna answer your question, and even if I don't like you, it, but I'll give you exactly." Yeah, but it just, in my opinion, the, the the whole political rhetoric of that impedes the conversations that need to be had. Um, and then with specifically Jim Acosta's um question about the caravan and the the i don't know if you guys watched it but i had to look all these different places to find the uh the commercial the advertisement um and it was it was hard to watch and i think that for me um being a latino um and having a mother who came here and has worked her ass off just and and knowing people that you know have come here illegally and worked their ass off and continue to, you know, they try to, they, they, well, they don't try, but they pay their taxes. They have, um, I forget what it's called, but it's something that pretty much it's a tax ID number, I think. 
Mm-hmm. So you're you're able to pay your taxes. Um, I'm not sure how that works, honestly. I'm not going to sit here and act like I know, but I just all I know is that, um, we're, you know, my mother and her friends that came here legally, and her friends that you know came here illegally. I can tell you this much: I've known those people my whole life. Not one of them is a gang member. Not one of them is a fucking drug dealer. Not one of them is is here to kill cops like that, you know, the Mexicans are coming. Like, that's literally what the commercial was saying. Um, And it's frustrating. And then when you have a guy that's the leader of your country, um, being a Latino and being of a parent who migrated to the United States and turning on the TV to see... You know, the leader of your country saying, um, you know, pretty much stop coming here and dropping babies. And then because like they get to have citizenship. I remember calling Hassani like just it's it's insane. Like, yeah, dude, you were livid. You were so so I was livid. But at the same time, I was like more like not sad, but. Disappointed, disappointed, I think, yeah, in the way exactly. the country has gone. Um, one because you know, there's it's it's like, what, why are we targeted, and why is it that you know these things are taking a toll? Like it's just it just seems to be more and more and more. Like you didn't just stop at let's build a wall. You, now you went to. Oh yeah, they're kids that were born here and have grown up their whole life and are, are American citizens since they're from you know this particular and and let's be honest, it's 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 geared towards it's not geared towards Europeans, it's geared towards Latinos and and Africans and people that are of color. And it's, it's just sad, dude. It's, I don't, I was so frustrated with everything, um, you know, and then having my mom call me crying, just like asking me, you know, why, why, why the fuck is this happening? Like, why, why is this being pushed? Um, and then I kind of realized that, thank God we have someone that doesn't know how shit works in the office because, to think that you could do that without a constitutional amendment just shows how much knowledge you have on what you're doing, which is the minimum amount of knowledge. So it's it's stuff like that, man. It's and it's but it it's just, just shows constantly the taking. In the country. Yeah, it's just a loop, and it's a loop, man. Like if it's not one thing, it's another thing. So yeah, when shit like that is happening, it's a lot easier me for me to turn to the Democrats and be like. Well, you guys, you know, seem like you're doing shit right. Because if you're a Republican and you're not speaking out against this, then you're just giving him more leeway to get away with shit like this. So that's what the the, the problem, in my opinion, is. Um, sorry that, you know, that was my long, long, but, you know, no, it, it, direct, it directly affects me and people of my race. So it's something that I'm not going to be quiet about. Um. And well, it's like, man, we have Trump supporters listening. Like, I think it's like, you know, exactly. I just expressed to you exactly how I feel um, with 
you know, I'm I'm not trying to attack Trump, but it's like it's hard not to do because it's like you have attacked my people for so long. How do I react to that? And if I react in a negative way, that's exactly what you expect of me. Um, if if I start cussing up a storm, if I start saying, you know, fuck Donald Trump, like that's what you expect of me. And I'm not stooping down to that level. I'm going to tell you intellectually how I feel. And that's what I think more people need to do is stop reacting in such a negative way. And, you know, pretty much kill them with kindness and intellectualism and, and knowledge. Um, and I think that have these conversations that are uncomfortable that people don't want to have. Because that's where you're going to progress. You're going to get to know both sides. Like, when I talk to a Trump supporter, I'm like, why do you think the way you think? What is it about him that you support? And I listen to that shit. And even if I don't agree with it, sometimes you got to just tap out, though. But if you don't agree with it, you just have to listen and say, okay, I heard you. And I think that's where we're going to start progressing. So that's that's my opinion, boys. That's uh, That's it. <laughs> No, man, I agree. Yeah, man, it's just it's it's one big clown show we're all watching. <laughs> it is, but it's it's like it's but he's absolutely right though. It's like we, we need to start having those more challenging and difficult conversations and I feel like the only way that we're going to get past, well, two reasons. The only way we can get past racism is one, it has to stop being passed down. You're not born racist. No one is born that way. You're taught to be racist, and that's from fear, that's from other people's interactions that are being pushed onto an innocent canvas that then develops that same mindset because of something that happened to their great grandparents or their grandparents or their parents. It's like, it has nothing to do with them yet. They become that way because they're taught to act that way. And behavior can be taught by action. It can be, but I I don't, and there's no way and it's proving with science, but I truly don't believe that racism is a genetic thing. You know, people can say, well, I just feel that way because my parents were that way. Well, they taught you to be that way because there's yeah, too no, many it, cases. Racism is you know? most definitely taught. It's most definitely taught. Um, yeah, but there's ignorant people in this world that would probably think that, well, my parents, you know, were that way, so I'm just that way. No, you have a choice. You don't have to still be that way. Like, you're not forced yeah. to be that way because your parents were that way. That's a decision. Exactly. And, and just like the the attacking of, you know, on on every single side, the attacking of like, well, you're racist because you're white or you're racist because you hate Trump. Like, cut that shit out, man. Like, that's not going to go anywhere. White people, not or all white from people the, are racist. Or you're from the South. Exactly. Like, you're from the not South. Everyone Alabama, so you not everyone that disagrees with Trump is racist towards white people. Not, you know, it's just... But this type of stuff, like, and then that's why that that specific, the Jim Acosta thing didn't bother me as much as um, the African-American reporter standing up, asking a question, and then being told that she was racist. Um, because that's the type of shit that I'm talking about is like, n- you're not racist. You're asking a question. Why? Why do you think these things are being said about you? Can you answer that question? No, I can't answer that. You're asking me a racist question because you disagree with me. Well, can I ask you guys a question? Because, I mean, we're all this is a, I think this would be a really good topic. And I, and I want to keep getting into this because I think it's it's really effective and it's good that we're having this conversation. So 
for the viewers and listeners out out there, you know, if they don't know us personally, you know, Ron's African American, I'm African American, Sebastian's Latino, and we all happen to date white women. Nothing wrong with that. And I think it's I think it's a great thing that we are, you know, involved with other races and even can have something like that on a personal level that we have relationships, you know. I've been with my girlfriend for six years and I couldn't see life being any different without her. I've I've had experiences where, you know, and it's nothing with her family or anything like that, but I've had experiences in public where things are very uncomfortable. And I think it's very eye-opening for someone like my girlfriend as well to see those experiences when, you know, typically they may not experience the the racism and the prejudice that you see in public settings. And I wanted to ask you guys, have you had any occurrences, you know, where you're out with your girlfriend or anything like that? And you've had those awkward looks or those awkward encounters and, you know, has that really, have you seen that your girlfriend has grown as a a white female in this country seeing, you know, these things occur on a daily basis? I think it's like, it's eye opening for people when they experience something like that, which is why I think, you know, mixed relationships are really beneficial because it comes back down to that same talk of, we need to see other people's perspectives to really understand what they're going through. And I'm just curious, have you guys seen a change maybe in their personality and they've expressed more because of the fact that they've, you know, seen some of these awkward occurrences with you guys? Yeah. So, I mean, personally, I've been with my girlfriend for about four years and uh, my girlfriend's Australian. So she's from a place where she's never really seen racism at a degree like America has racism in it. Um, and so, and me and Asani, you know, we grew up in, you know, kind of an all white community where we saw that a lot. Um, so you get kind of used to it and which is sad, but when she came over here and we started dating, she definitely saw the looks, um, and she saw it more than I did because I was kind of just ingrained to kind of have that happen. Like, I just, I just know that happens here. Um, and it was kind of shocking to her that that was a thing and that America was kind of everything that they heard about over. Isn't that really incredible? Uh, which though? Is sad. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I just want to touch on that. That's, a, that's crazy that someone who is, you know, to the ignorance of America, to someone who just looks white, they assume that they have the same mentality. But it's like she is Australian by definition of American definition of white. Yeah. She's white, I guess. But it's like. But she doesn't even like she's she's shocked to see the racism here. And it's like it just shows you that people in the United States are so close minded, like we're more racist as a country than European whites are racist. Like it, it's unbelievable. Like, I don't think people realize that Like they just look at a person and automatically assume like they, that that's mm-hmm. who they are and how they think, you know. Like they have their own, they have their own issues with Aboriginal people over there and things of that nature. I um, mean, of course, of course, everywhere you go, there's going to be sure. racism. Um, but you know, just coming over here, she, I mean, and and sometimes it's dramatic. You know, if you go to a different country, they think that, you know, black people are just getting lynched in the streets. But that obviously that's not happening. But there is a form of racism mm-hmm. here that is um, that people can see when they come over here. They can you can honestly feel it, um, and it and it can be uncomfortable. And it, the fact that you me. And and sad too, you know that we that we deal with it and that we're so used to it. I think is a problem in mm-hmm. itself. Um, but at least we know, and when we have our kids, we can tell them, you know, how to deal with that. And hopefully, at that point, it won't be um, as big of an issue. But I, th- I think it probably always will be in this world. What do you think, Seb? Which is sad. 
Um, yeah, so I started dating Samantha pretty much because she was one of those people that I, I was talking about that was able to have those tough conversations and ask the tough questions. Um, and like, at first it really threw me off. Cause I was like, like I was not expecting these questions to be asked. Um, but I think for her, I mean, we've, we've had a lot of discussions on a lot of stuff that people get heated about. So we recently had a discussion on, um, on white privilege and, you know, she expressed it and it did get heated for a bit because I think we were discussing different aspects of that, which, I mean, that's a topic that I think we could leave for another episode. So I'm not going to get too into that, but that's, for example, that's one of the topics which we, we discuss, um, but we respect each other enough to kind of know, like, we're not going to get disrespectful with it. Um, if we feel differently about a certain topic, but I also think that, um, like her personally, I've seen her grow a lot more conscious of some of the shit that I have to go through that she doesn't really have to go through. Um, and I think the big one was, I mean, just, yeah, I definitely get the looks. Um, I'm a big, you know, tattooed, bearded Hispanic guy with the beard. I, you know, in my opinion, I look kind of Middle Eastern. Um, my girl's a redhead, (laughs) you know, very white skin. Um, and in state college, I mean, it's a predominantly white area, so it's not like walking through DC. It's, you know, and I had to get used to that because there, I mean, state college is not a racist area in my opinion, but it is, um, the older people definitely look at you different when you walk into a Walmart or you walk into, you know, all these different establishments. I, I feel the looks, but she has yet to pick up on them. But I think it's cause I've dealt with that so many times that it's not as obvious to her. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's like, like, fuck, dude. Like, I don't even want to look in any direction because I'm just getting stared at. Um, and I've, I've had it's to play the, like, to let me get my like Southern. That. Yeah. Sometimes when I talk, um, I have like a Southern drawl every once in a while. And so like, I make it a point to myself that, Hey, when you are, <laughs> when you're looking for something or you're talking to Samantha, make sure it comes out. So that way, like, and I shouldn't have to feel that way, but I do, I feel like I have to act differently or talk differently or make sure I'm talking. Um, I like, I feel like all three of us already are pretty intellectual with our speech, but like, it's messed up that I feel like when I'm in a certain, certain situation, um, I have to make sure that I'm speaking more intellectually so I won't get judged as much. If that makes sense. It makes total so, sense, man. Especially being yeah. where Ron and I grew up, we had to do that constantly. constantly. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I shouldn't have to do that because where I'm from is not a bad area. Um, but it does have its rougher neighborhoods. So I grew up in West Deer Park, which listened to a, a 
I don't know, a Logic album, and you'll hear about it. But, yeah, there was a lot of stuff that um, I was exposed to at an early age, which was, like, you know, the the gang violence kind of... um, There was a lot of drugs and prostitution going on in our neighborhood that, you know, it all got busted down um, and pretty much, like, gentrified now. So it costs, like, like, four times what we paid. It was Section 8 housing that I grew up in. Um, and I also grew up in Brookville. At, um, so for those of you that don't know, um, me and my mom were pretty much bought in by um, Hassani's girlfriend, who's pretty much my sister. And um, so I got to see both sides of things. I got to see, you know, um, what it's like to live out in Brookville, which is a really nice area, probably my favorite place in the world. Um, it just brings me peace when I'm there. And I grew up in a, uh, white household with, uh, literally the best, some of the best people I I will ever meet in my life or ever be grateful for. And then we moved to Wester Park, which was the complete opposite, um, predominantly Hispanic and, um, black neighborhoods. And then... Um, exposed to a lot of shit I wasn't exposed to in Brookville. Um, so I understand both sides of it, but at the same time, it's like I'm expected to act a certain way because I'm from that neighborhood. And when people see me act a different way than that, it's like, oh, you're not like them. So... I think that's that's where my struggle comes with and I, I struggle with it all the time. I get I get upset about it. Um and Samantha, you know, she has to kind of talk to me and just let me know like it, it's you're not it's it's all good. Um but she knows it's not. So she definitely picks up on it. Uh she's picked on up on uh times I've had run-ins with the police where I was literally just taking out my trash and they questioned me about smoking weed. Um, after I smoked a cigarette and I'm like, dude, my cigarette butt is right there. You can pick it up. Like I don't smell any, I know what weed smells like. It, I, that's not weed. And if you think tobacco smells like weed, then you probably shouldn't be a cop. Um, that's crazy. Seb, I want to ask you a quick question. Um, just take it back a few clicks and I know this is a longer conversation, but the white privilege, I was just curious, uh, does your girlfriend believe that that doesn't exist? No. Um, I think she does believe it exists. And what it came down to was that we both agree that, I mean, the way I, I told her, all right, so I'll get into it. Um, what I personally believe white privilege is, is that if you are, um, not a person of color, you have advantages to living a, there's, there's things that you don't have to think about when you're doing things. And it's not, and I feel like people mix white privilege up with how much money you make or how much money you have. And that's not the case. Um, and it's hard to talk about because there's so many scenarios that can be brought up where it's like, well, I had this running with the police and I'm white and I'm from a poor neighborhood and I still had to deal with it. And it's like, all right, so first of all, it's not a financial thing. It's it's just base and it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all, but it's the term is used so ignorantly that 
it's turned into a bad thing. And this is just my analysis of it. So it's like, if I go to Starbucks, I mean, so the way the term is used today, I could go to Starbucks, have my name written down wrong, and a white person would have their name written right. And the ignorant ass people that use this word to just attack people would be like, oh, that's your white privilege at work. And it's like, no, bitch, it's not. Like, it's not, that's not what white privilege is. Hmm. It's just that, so the way I explain it to her is it's used as a term to attack white people Um, when it's, it's not that. It's just simply stating if you are white, you don't have to deal with something like birthright citizenship being targeted towards you you don't have to deal with um profiling for a job or something like yeah that, yeah filing for a job you don't have to deal with you know police like having to feel in danger being around a police officer even though i i, I love police police officers i have a lot of friends that work in law enforcement but yeah there's times where i'm like let me just make sure i don't even look like i'm doing something wrong so that way i don't just I just don't want this guy looking in my direction. So let me just like not do anything at all that makes me look like I'm sketchy. And then I start thinking like, okay, now I look like I'm trying not to do something wrong. So I have like all those things, you know, you grow, you grow kind of paranoid, especially, you know, like when you have situations like the ones I've dealt with. Um, I got into a lot of trouble as a kid. So like I had a lot of run-ins with the police and thank God, like, I <laughs> turned that shit around. But I think um, when, like, the way I explain it to Samantha is um, when I have kids, if they come out my skin color, which I'm dark, so they probably will, I'm going to have to sit down with them one day and give them a talk of, hey, if you go out, don't, like, even if you're not doing anything wrong, just treat police officers with respect. Like, and I have to harp on that. You shouldn't have to tell your kids that they should just know that, but I have to harp on, you should just be careful around police officers, be extra careful because the way that things are going right now, it's not a good look for us. You could be doing nothing and something could happen to you. That's a conversation well, I have to have with my kids one day. Um, There's a good where, example of that with like, remember that shooting recently with a security with officer the kid on the who porch. was, I'm not sure. Yeah. It was, uh, no. I read something where it was, it was a security officer at some, it was at a club or something. And there was some like, somebody had had a gun or something like that. And he was going to apprehend the person and the police came and killed him thinking that he was the one that yeah. was the antagonist when he was actually trying to save people's lives. And that's the kind of fear of what you mean, where it's like you question doing certain things just because you don't know if when the police were to show up or anything that you would be the one that would be arrested or be targeted because of that, the racial bias and the fear that's put in police off and many police officers thinking that you're a danger when in reality you were the one trying to, you know, calm down the situation and you weren't the antagonist. So it's like, I've seen that happen with friends of ours and I won't name drop, but others were looked at 
when in reality it was another friend or another group of friends that was starting something. But I so many times, you know, really question intervening on fights or arguments because if the police were to show up, I didn't want to be the one that would get arrested or tased or or potentially, or you know, shot. I mean, I'm trying not to make it sound so bad, but you never know because and my dad told me time and time you again, don't get involved in certain things because you just really never know. All it takes is one incident. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it sucks that we're living in this this world. I mean, we're dealing with mass shootings on a regular basis now. Uh, I mean, the you know, a synagogue was shot up. Um, I think the, a bar in California was shot up, and that's, I mean, that's only that was like, like two in the past two weeks, man. And there, there's probably been more that we haven't even they haven't even reported on the mass scale because it seems like if it's you know if it's over, um, not over four dead dead people or or dead bodies, they don't really report it, which is. I think terrible, but the way this country's gone with our gun laws is, I do feel like something needs to change. Um, you know, I, I think people—you never know. Like, I could, we, I could go outside today. I could go to the market, and there could be a shooting there, and it's it's frightening, because like like I said before, my girlfriend's from Australia. When I went over there, they don't even they don't even have uh, guns, or you can't even own a gun there. Pretty much, it's very very hard to get a gun, um, and they've done well for it. I mean, they don't have mass shootings like we have. Um, you would think. If that many people are, are dying every year, the government would have to step in, you know, with with guns and, and the pharmaceutical companies. But it seems like nothing's being done. You know, there's there's always like Trump always says something, you know, that means absolutely nothing. And at the end of the day, it happens again next week. Um, so I, I think, you know, just to wrap this thing up, I want to get your guys take on it real quick. But I, I think that um, that's a real big problem in America. But I don't have the answers to to solve it as well because i believe that you should own a gun i, I believe people should pr be able to protect themselves but we have to there has to be more regulation or not anyone can just pick it up or get it there has to be some type of um checks and balances in place so we can regulate it um but but real quick what's your guys take on well that issue? well i think it's honestly forgive me for for ending it but I think I almost want to get into a conversation on another podcast and hold people to that because that topic alone could literally be another like full hour plus discussion because I don't want to cut it short. I feel like it's it's something that needs to be discussed and I think we have three really unique opinions and I think that we could get into a really detailed conversation. Um, and I want I want to be fair to people. I want them to be able to pull it up and, and listen to it. But I, I completely agree with what you're exactly. saying. Something needs to be done and I think you know, having the military background of Sebastian, he has a very unique opinion on this. I mean, Ron and I growing up in a predominantly, predominantly white area and people argue it's the country and seeing a lot of people own guns. And I mean, it's just people go hunting and shooting at ranges just for fun, which I don't think is necessarily wrong. But I do think there should be regulations on where you can store your guns. But I don't know. Do you guys agree on that? That I think like it's something that I definitely want to touch on. I want to get involved in, but um, I don't want it to be a yeah, quick. Yeah, I'll that. just I'll just give my quick take. I think it's definitely a huge topic for another episode, but um, I'll just talk about the most recent shooting that happened at uh, the Thousand Oaks shooting. Um, and yeah, like you said, my my military background is. I mean. I was in the infantry, so I had a lot of time with guns, a lot of different types of guns, and um, I personally love to shoot guns, but at the same time, like, and I have a gun tattoo on my arm, 
I have an M4 tattooed on my arm. So, um, but I'm also a person who realizes, you know, I think the thing that bothers me is, yeah, you can love your guns, but why are you so ignorant that it's a problem? Like, I, I love guns too, but I can also like sit back and say, yeah, this is a fucking problem. Like this is a huge problem in our country right now. And I'm okay. If something needs to be done about it, if if there needs to be like Ron said, more checks and balances. Um, I personally don't know what that solution is. I have no idea what it is. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and start proposing solutions, but there, so it's I all I know is that something needs to be done because this is the 308th mass shooting in 2018. So if you're trying to tell me that that's not a problem, then <laughs> you know don't be the you can't take my guns. Don't be that guy, please, because it's a problem and no one's trying to take your guns. Someone's just trying to make this situation. It's trying to make this less of an occurrence for people getting shot. And if there is a problem with that, then you need to seriously just reevaluate yourself. Um, and then, yeah. yeah, just a quick touch on, I mean, I just want to say it for a lot of um, bad looks coming towards the military with this past shooting. Um I think there's a difference between battling PTSD and kind of just being the very unstable person. Um, and what this guy did is not becoming of being a Marine. Um, I know a lot of friends that deal with PTSD. Um, a lot of friends that have committed suicide to PTSD. So it's definitely a problem. The VA getting these people help is a, is definitely a problem. Um, I have my own injuries. I can't even, I've had one appointment in two years. So that just kind of tells you how that system works. Um, but I, I think there was obviously a lot more than just PTSD with this guy. I think he was for better terms, batshit crazy like that. So just walk in, just be okay with like, let me just walk in and just start shooting people up. I think that's a lot more than just PTSD there. Um, I, I don't doubt that he had PTSD, but I think he was also just insane. Um, so I just wanted to clear that up that, you know, when people start thinking about the military and guys with PTSD, yeah, a lot of guys suffer, but not everyone with PTSD is going to run up in a bar and shoot the place up. Um, so that's that. I mean, it's a tough topic. It's definitely another topic for another episode, but... I just wanted to to get that awesome. out there. All right. Well, that does it, folks. Thanks for tuning in to Barroom Talks. Make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And we got some new bonus content coming to you as well. So make sure to check that out when we put that out for you. All right, guys. Have a good weekend. Don't get too drunk. Peace out. See ya.